Hi there, welcome to season two of Zara Wendy the podcast. I'm an energy healer, mentor, and coach. Some of the tools I use in my sessions include energy healing, plant medicine, shamanic practices, tarot, yoga, and meditation. I'm a proponent of self-healing, self-love, and creating heaven on earth. In this season, we will be discussing more of the topics related to my own work with experts and seekers alike. Christopher Luard is a senior meditation teacher based in Chiang Mai, Thailand. He is the creator of the Such Sweet Thunder meditation program and has a website and a book by the same name. In 2001, after witnessing the tragic events of September 11th unfold in New York City, Chris dedicated his life to the wisdom teachings so that he may be able to pass them on to others with the intention of bringing about a more peaceful, loving, and compassionate worldview. He has taught extensively around the world since 2009, completing residencies in centers in Malaysia, the UK, Thailand, and the USA. In this episode, Chris leads us in a meditation practice called Taking in the Good that helps us to compensate for our inherently human negativity bias. This is a practice you can return to over and over again. Hi, Chris from Thailand. Welcome to the Hi, show. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Always. It's always a pleasure. We've um, had so many different uh, opportunities to work together, both in person and online. And it's always a wonderful experience for me and also for the community that, that we share your practice with. We were thinking about a topic to discuss because there's so many aspects to your meditation practice that um, that are valuable to people. Um, and we, we both agreed that talking about loving kindness, um, mm -hmm. the meta practice would be something nice. Uh, I mentioned to you challenging relationships and how we can apply this practice in our in our daily lives. I think people are really looking for practical, just practical tips, um, dealing with the stress of a family and all this built up tension with, with the lockdown. And I, I don't know if you know, in the Philippines, we've had the longest lock, lockdown in the world. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, this is a, it really impacting relationships on the romantic, um, family and, and professional levels, since everything is about is based built on relationships after all so yeah we can dive right into this juicy topic <laughs> yeah it's a, you're right um what you're what, what you mentioned there it's such a, a challenging moment in history uh that um we're all facing the whole world is facing you know and you know from uh like a, a kindness or a loving kindness or a compassionate perspective on that you know is to, I think, recognize that we, we all in some way, in some form, uh, are feeling the weight of it, you know, that there, there is, we all want to be free from the situation at some level. And uh, so for me anyway, you know, if I'm having a struggle with somebody, recognizing that they are probably feeling uh, the intensity of the moment, uh, maybe a, a great deal more than I am. Um, perhaps uh, they don't Probably. have the training. Well, you know, it's debatable, but 
they may they they might not have a meditation practice that they they can find relief in, or they might not have a, a, a nurturing relationship, or they might not have the the resources that that I might have, uh, and so um, so to have that sense of of that we're all struggling on some level, uh, and uh, and um, to have that sense of openness and compassion that I might not like what they're sending my way, uh, but to recognize that that is an expression of the the effort and struggle that they're going through. Are you and struggling, just, Chris? Do you do you struggle? No, personally, <laughs> of course, <laughs> I, of course. I do struggle. Uh, I mean, I recently had surgery and, and things like that. And there's a, there's a, a certain amount of struggle inherent in, I think any surgical procedure, uh, you know, it's just, uh, uh, you know, that's just, you know, and I, I think struggle is, is just inherent in, in having a human body. Uh, we all, we all are, you know, likely to experience some sort of uh, struggle and uh, you know, discontent in our life. Uh, but I think it's it's just a lot more pronounced with something like a worldwide pandemic. You know, um, we, we're all it's we're all kind of thrown into the fire with that, so to speak. Um, so yes, to answer your question, I, I I do of course struggle from time to time, but I'm lucky. You know, I I, I have a, a a really strong foundation in meditation, as you know. I've been meditating for 35, 36 years now. And um, that has been a tremendous source of strength and stability uh, for me in these times. Um, and personally, on uh, you know, I've actually probably as a result of that stability, I, I managed to see a way that I can use all of the free times. Uh, so I so I've you know immersed myself in studies online. Uh, opening and offering uh, retreats and things like that online as well. So um, I don't feel the weight of all of that, the space. I think a lot of people are, are you know, they, they think, oh, lockdown for two weeks. Oh, yeah, that'll be fun. You know, hang out with my kids, whatever, you know, have a full, you know. Really? You know, Who says food. that? <laughs> I, th I think when it first started, you know, there was this kind of air of like, oh, snow day. Oh, this will be, you know, this will be. Kind of interesting, you know, at least I saw some of my friends commenting like that. But then after a month, two after months, year. <laughs> four months, six months, a year. Yeah, sure. It becomes like, well, what do I do? You know, you know, I've been looking at these walls and watching the paint dry for for months and months and months and months and months. What do, what do I do with all of this time? And I think that's a big, a big source of, of tension and stress for many, many people. And so. I mean, meditation is great for that because that's what you do when you meditate. You watch the paint dry. Right? So, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. But, but it is, you know, it is something you can do uh, when you have a lot of free time, a lot of free space in your schedule, a lot of silence or a solitude or peace. Uh, meditation practice works great in, in that kind of setting. Uh, there's a, a great cartoon that's been circulating. You may have seen it where there's a monk meditating and it says under the, underneath him, it says the caption says uh, before COVID. And then this frame after is the same monk meditating, same expression during COVID. 
and then the same monk meditating, same expression after COVID, you know, and it's like, it's, that's how it is, you know, when, when you've like, like myself, when carrying a practice through this time, or really allowing the practice to carry me through this time, um, provides that kind of stability. And so I feel very fortunate and lucky to have that. Yeah. So, um, Chris, what about those people that are actually, and I'm talking, um, you know, my personal experience, people come to me and say they have a hard time meditating because they don't have time or they don't have the space or they're stuck at home with family um, and or they're stuck at home with people they don't necessarily um, would be spending so much time with. And it's it just gets tiresome and um, other people are, are feeling the stress of having to work longer hours actually um because of uh the challenges that the businesses are facing uh with covid so how would you that's kind of like maybe the other end of the spectrum um and i would Mm -hmm. say it's a luxury if you have all that time that you can actually deepen your meditation practice but what of those people what what about those other people who were stuck in these conflictual maybe settings at home and working from home and not having any peace and quiet like what would you advise them how would that yeah such a great question thank you for asking that it's an important important point and you're right i i am extraordinarily lucky uh compared to many 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 people um so there are times and and uh, I think times in people's lives where, you know, starting a meditation practice probably isn't really possible uh, due to any kind of number of factors, you know, that, that you mentioned stress or tension or, uh, you know, working long hours in inner family conflict and things like that. But there's always not always, but there's there's generally for most people uh, something good in their life. And it can be the most basic goodness. And actually, I recommend the practice I'm going to talk about is starting with the most basic goodness, like how good it feels to breathe, to breathe. And you can just breathe very deeply and and then, you know, hold the breath, like breathe in counting to five and then exhale counting to seven, breathe in counting to six, exhale counting to eight, like that. And so doing that for maybe three, four, five breaths, noticing how good that feels in the body. That's a good feeling, right? So something one can do, and it, it really only takes two minutes or three minutes is just to feel what it feels like to feel good. And, and to really allow that feeling to be very strong and present in the body. Because here, what the idea is to allow the, the neurons in the brain to start to wire in that direction. So that, so that we train our mind to notice more goodness in our environment, in our experience. So I'll back up a little bit because I see a little, there's a, a bit of a, a puzzlement there. So, so 
what, as human well, beings. I, sorry, my puzzled expression uh, is really because I, I, you know, there's this term toxic positivity, right? Where mm -hmm. it's all like, oh, everything's great. Everything's always, it's all only good vibes only, like all of that. And, to, and, and I know that can be harmful when you're in a state of suffering and somebody mm -hmm. comes to you and they're like, good vibes only, you know, like, so that's mm -hmm. what, I, that's actually what I was thinking when you said that, like, mm -hmm. Because I would actually tell um, my clients or my students to allow themselves to feel that the discomfort and the pain, and and if that's if that's arising, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be repressing that. So how yeah. what's the distinction between that? Yeah, great question. So the technique that I just offered there, where you notice something good that's happening in your experience, you let it sink into your bones, your the muscles, really feeling it on a visceral level for as long as you can, 20 breaths maybe, so and then letting it go. And the reason for doing that is that the human brain is wired to look at our negative experiences. We have a negativity bias. Yeah. And we do that, that is because of uh, survival. Yeah. As, as you, you probably know this, as we evolved as human species, um, we had to be able to point out the negative to run from the lion or the snake and run towards the cave. And we all know this if, if um, you know, we have a list of like 20 things to do, right? And we nail the first 19 and we, we goof on the 20th. You know, for the next week, we might be, you know, going over that 20th thing over and over again in our mind. How could we do it better? How did that go wrong? How could I be so silly beating ourselves up and, yeah. and so forth, right? So we all have that tendency to focus on the negative. So when we do a practice such as what I just mentioned, uh, called, uh, taking in the good, right? So when we do a practice like taking in the good, we're training our neurons to start to look for the positive aspects of life. Not so that, and I understand toxic positivity, not so that we're repressing the negative, but so that we can see the world in a more balanced state so that we we're not only focused on that one thing that went bad. We can also enjoy the fact that we got 19 things really well, really good. And so what's remarkable about that kind of practice is that the more you do it, and it takes some time, it might take, if, if somebody does like a taking in the good practice like that, maybe two or three times a day, it only takes a minute, literally a minute. So you do two or three times a day for maybe a month. Uh, after that month, people start to notice a difference. They start to, to notice that, oh, you know, I thought my world was all negative, mm -hmm. but actually the purring of the cat makes me very happy. And so they start to take that in or the view of the sunset is so beautiful. I never noticed that before. And they start to appreciate that. It's always there. That beauty, the, pur the cat has always been purring. The sunset's always been beautiful. But now we've trained our mind to notice those in a, in a deeper way. Shift the focus, basically. Shift the focus. So it becomes, so that, you know, people, people who talk about po toxic positivity, they often say, well, we're looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. But in fact, those glasses are always tinted to black and gray. As a, as a result of our, of our evolution. Yeah. So 
taking a step back and just washing the glasses off, mm. you know, and just allowing us to see a more balanced view of the world. Uh, it actually allows us to take in the painful experiences that arise in a more balanced way. Or see reality um, through a more objective lens. Absolutely, yeah. So, th so then we actually. So what we're doing more... is we're correcting the negative bias. Exactly. Well, correcting, yeah, perhaps I, I prefer. <laughs> yeah, I prefer that. I prefer putting putting things in perspective, in a healthier perspective, in, in a healthier balance. Mm -hmm. And so when when we do get a phone call that has bad news that we weren't expecting, or when you know tragedy does arise, if we've been training in this way of taking in the good, seeing the positive, uh, we have more stability to take in the bad. We have more, more resources to, to feel that negativity, to feel that pain. And we can feel it in a deeper way, in a more, in a more honest way, knowing that uh, the world isn't gonna end or that the beauty isn't gonna end in the world. And that there is always a positive uh, resource in our life that we can always go to. Okay. So by strengthening our connection to what's good, we're better able to weather the not so good. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let me just clarify for, for listeners who don't have a meditation practice. And, and of course, you've, like you said, you've been meditating for, you know, 35 years. And so your, your practice is very sophisticated and, and elaborate, I want to say. Um, there's so many different types of practices. So you mentioned is that called seeking, seeking the good. Is that what you called it? We call it that or taking in the good taking in the yeah. good that's different from yeah. metta which is loving kindness it that's is different. much different yeah okay yeah, because yeah. um okay because we had talked about metta so this we is did different. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, another practice that comes to mind for me that i found useful um but and that i actually shared uh on a on a, an fb live in the past is the tonglen which is like the mm -hmm. kind of completely a different concept right because we're taking in the not so good and then we're transmuting. Yeah. So where would you think um, the taking in the good and the, the, the Tonglen practice, what are their applications? Again, I just want to root it in like uh, mm. practical terms. Where mm. would you find them most, most useful? Mm. Well, taking in the good is useful all the time. All anywhere. The time. And it can, it can be done driving in the car, riding on the bus. Mm. There's always an opportunity to find something, usually, not always. I mean, there will be moments in our life, of course, when we're just overwhelmed with struggle. And then it's not really appropriate to even try to do that. Okay, just to ride the storm. That's out. actually a good note. That's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, just to, to yeah. you know, I, 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 I can I, imagine. Frustration also would would uh, could arise like um, me when sometimes I teach a practice to my students and then, you know, I check in on them and they're like, I'm so sorry, I wasn't able to do it. And they, they feel so much shame and guilt. And I was like, wait a minute, let's let's backtrack like this practice is here to support you into feeling better. It's not here to add additional self judgment because you weren't able to do it right. So yeah, sure. And I think that happens with any meditation practice or any, any kind of practice like that. There's often this, I should be able to, or I should I, be doing you know, this. I have yeah. to do this, you know? And, and so, yeah, I, I like to preface any practice with a uh, kind of a warning that um, 
there's no should or shouldn't about it. Yes. You know, it's, it is your experience. And, yes. and so, you know, but just to, I, I encourage people to just, uh, you know, throughout the day, periodically scan your environment and, and see what's good. Could be a good feeling on your body. Could be, like I mentioned, the breath. Mm -hmm. We always have the breath with, with us as long as we're alive. So that could be a good resource to, that allows one to relax a beautiful object a conversation with a friend you, you can even use memories and and on this retreat uh, that i'm facilitating now and, and previous retreats that we've used memories bringing up good memories and taking in the feelings of that and absorbing the feelings of that uh, so that that works just as well in fact the brain doesn't know the difference between a memory and, and present moment experience so so it works just as well now tom glenn is different. They're related in that there's an aspect of Tonglen. And for those of people who don't know, Tonglen is a Tibetan word, which means exchange. And so we're, we're actually exchanging uh, somebody else's suffering for our good, for what's good in our life. And, and it's synced, in, synced on the breathing process. So when one breathes in, they breathe in the suffering of another or sometimes the entire world, mm -hmm. you breathe in the suffering of others. And then on the exhale, you send out everything that's good in your life. Mm -hmm. Now, what I found in combination with a practice like taking in the good is, first of all, now we really are in touch with the, the gifts that we're sending out because we've been practicing feeling into the mm -hmm. good, okay. right? So the reason why sometimes when I describe Tonglen to people, when I'm working with them one-on-one, -on -one, they're like, I don't want to do that. That sounds like suicide, you know? And so, so it's important to recognize, you know, you, you are, you know, literally breathing in the suffering of others. And then when you send out the good, you actually feel what's good in your life and then send it out. So that it's like a seesaw. You're balancing out. So you breathe in the good, you breathe in the suffering of others and that, that can feel painful it can feel tough can feel challenging and then you you, you send out it. well the idea is that you 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 allow your heart to be in the traditions they say allow your heart to be as vast as the universe and so it's not you're not actually breathing it into your own heart you're breathing yeah. it into the universe like that yeah. and, and so and then when you send out you're sending out the good in your life and you're offering it to the world yeah. uh, and so you have that stability to to notice the suffering of the unit of the world and bring that in or another being and bring it in like that into the universe you if you've been practicing with taking in the good it doesn't bother you that much because you have this kind of stability this resource of allowing the brain as we were just mentioning allowing the neurons to to ground in the good see the good like that. And so, so when people often, when they take up a Tonglen practice, they breathe in the suffering of others and they get lost in it. You know, that that's a, one of the uh, potential dangers of that kind of practice is it just becomes overwhelming for people. And then when they send out the, their, the, what's good in their life, they don't really feel it that much because they're so, so uh, caught in the, the suffering of others. So they're connected in that way, like uh, taking in the good practice would keep people from getting caught in that suffering like that. So you would recommend um, the first practice over the, the Tonglen practice? 
Yeah, well, Tonglen is a pretty, pretty intense meditation practice. It's not, I mean, it, Pema Chodron teaches it so that you yeah. can do a, a, a Tonglen in the moment. But I don't, I wouldn't recommend people do that okay. unless they've done it in, a, in, a, in their own setting. So Tonglen in the moment, in a, in a formal practice, I mean. So Tonglen in the moment, would you'd be like riding a bus and you hear somebody coughing, right? And so then you you breathe in their, not their air, or their, uh-huh. you breathe in their struggle. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad example. So let's say you're, you're walking down the street and you hear a couple arguing, right? And so you, you'd stop in that moment and you breathe in their struggle of that moment for them. And then you would send out your peace, your calm, your whatever's good in your life, your laughter, your stability, whatever. And then you'd offer that to them as you walk by. So that's Tonglen in the moment. I've never where you're, where you're just, really done that. My, mine is more uh, um, intentional. Like, uh, for example, the, if you've, there's been a lot of collective, collective fear, right? So then mm-hmm. you can go in your meditation cushion and take that in and then just... Mm-hmm transmuted i mean you call it sending it to the universe but i think that's for me i call that transmuting it mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah oh but it is i i agree with you it's more of an advanced practice because it can be a little scary to get lost in that um, yeah 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 all right so um yeah shall we shall we give it a try we'll we'll try the taking in the good let's do some taking in the good yeah sure so i'll uh set it up with ringing the bell and I'll just do I'll briefly uh, bring our listeners into the present moment uh, through some guiding uh, and then we'll go into the taking in the good practice and this probably will be I don't know how long 10 minutes maybe so I'll ring the bell And so the invitation is now to come into the present moment experience, allowing the the body, mind, and heart to relax and rest. There are various ways of anchoring awareness in the present moment. You might simply notice the body as it's seated, in a chair, on a mat, or a cushion. What what it feels like to be supported, held by your seat. There might be sensations of clothing against the legs and arms or shoulders. You might notice the sensations of feet against the carpet or floor or socks or shoes. There might be sensations arising from the face, the top of the head. While resting here, the invitation is just to take maybe two or three deep breaths. And if you wish, if it feels accessible, you can count to six on the in-breath and perhaps seven or eight on the out-breath. Those deep, long 
exhalations will allow the nervous system to relax. And that generally allows one to find some stability in the present moment. And so now the invitation is to bring into your mind's eye through a recollection or perhaps a memory or simply noticing something in your day-to-day experience that is good, something that's good about your experience. Maybe you like your job or you have a wonderful partner or a beautiful pet, a cat or a dog. Maybe you had a really nice hot cup of chocolate or coffee or tea this morning. Or perhaps you can remember the laughter of a friend or just spending time with a close one, feeling that connectivity Maybe remembering a time on the beach or recent vacation or a vacation from a long time ago. And as this recollection or memory comes into focus, feel into this experience. What about this experience is good for you. Why is this experience in particular a good experience? If it's a recollection with a friend, it might be the feeling of connectivity, a sense of joyousness, or comradeship. Perhaps if it's a recollection of a sunset or a moment on the beach, there might be the sense of peace or calm. Or perhaps an experience of accomplishing something. So The sense of accomplishment can be a source of goodness. Feeling into the physical experience. What is it in the body? A warmth, an opening, a softening around the heart. And as you locate that physical experience of goodness, whatever it is, and it could arise for different people in many different ways. However you locate that for you, the invitation is to really allow that goodness to expand and flow through the body. Oftentimes people like to visualize this as a sort of happy, syrup 
that's being poured into the head and coating the bones with happiness, with joy, flowing through the muscles. Just allowing this sense of goodness to really expand through the entire body, feeling it from the marrow of your bones to the surface of the skin. Or if you wish, turning up the volume on the goodness as if you were turning up the volume on your favorite song on the radio. And so I'll be quiet here for a few breaths. The invitation is to really explore and amplify this feeling of goodness. And each breath that you stay in that goodness, the neurons in the brain are firing and wiring together. Millions of neurons every second, building the neurological pathways to happiness. So if you get distracted, just keep coming back. And so we'll begin to shift away from the meditation practice and back into a conversational space. And I'll cue the shift back in by ringing the bell three times. Okay. Well, thank you all for meditating with us. That was very, very peaceful, very relaxing. Thank you. Mm, I tend sure. to go deep quickly with you uh, during these meditation practices. Mm. And I hope um, the listeners will enjoy it as well and they'll be able to go back to that. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, and for those people who maybe didn't feel the good there, uh, it's not that, that you did it wrong or that it's not accessible to you. In each type of meditation like that, the seeds are being planted. Yeah. And eventually, if you keep coming back and tilling the soil, 
eventually the seeds start to bear fruit. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Chris, if uh, people want to work with you, how can they find you? Mm. Sure. Uh, my website is uh, suchsweetthunder.org. Uh, and all of, and if you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, you would click on the online studies page. But I think there's, there's several pages to the website and most of the resources there are available for free. So really, I welcome anyone to, to make your way to the website, have a look around, click on some of the meditations if you want to do some guided meditating. Or if you have any questions, you can always email me through the website. I'm happy to get those. Uh, so it's all there uh, to, to, for people to take advantage of, and I hope people will. Um, yeah. So, yeah and in so fact, I think there's a guided meditation of taking in the good on the website. If there's not, I, I'll, I'll put one up soon. So I need to update the website. <laughs> well, you can put this one up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I could. Yeah. So, so thank Chris you for also that. has, yeah. a, I, I think, a YouTube channel now and a podcast as well. Yeah, so lots I do. of free, yeah. free resources, um, mm. different uh, types of meditation and Dharma talks to, to pick from. And of course, mm. you have two published books, Am I, I do. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. talk briefly about those? Sure. Thanks, Wendy. I appreciate sure. that. So the first one is titled Such Sweet Thunder, uh, and, and the same name as the website, uh, not coincidentally. Uh, <laughs> uh, the book came first, uh, and then the website about a year after. Um, okay. uh, yeah. And the, the book, it's a meditation guide. Uh, it's really... Uh, the practice that I really um, dove into for about 10, 11, 12 years. Uh, and it's one of the practices that I still do pretty regularly. It's generally my morning practice that I go to. Uh, it's a mindfulness-based practice, but you know the, the mindfulness, the quote-unquote mindfulness that's spreading through the world yeah. nowadays is only one type of mindfulness practice. So many people don't recognize that or or realize that there's over a hundred different types of mindfulness. There's a 50 different types of mindfulness in the tradition that that mindfulness comes from. Yeah, Chris can so, get technical. Sorry, going off on a tangent. It's great. <laughs> but, so the, the type of mindfulness that I wrote that book on is a mindfulness that comes from Tibet. Uh, the mindfulness that's quite uh, famous now is a tradition. It comes from a tradition in Burma. Uh, so they're very, they're, they're quite different. And so, in the practice that I outlined in the book, we bring mindfulness to uh, not just the breath, which is what the Burmese style is really the breath and the body. Uh, but in, in this tradition, we do the breath, the body, the sounds, uh, the everything you see, the visual field, all of our feelings and emotions. And then we, we turn and uh, we notice the observer itself, what it feels like to be an observer. And so, Chris, bringing mindfulness to all to of that. Zen um, practice. It, they're they're all related in that they all kind of end in the same place. The traditional sitting Zen of Shinkantaza, which is you know present moment awareness meditation, it it kind of ends in the same place as the meditation that I was just describing from Tibet. Okay. Yeah. So that sitting, being in the present moment with all of experience, not judging anything, but just mindfully being with your experience as it unfolds is the idea yeah so that's the first book 
The second book is, is a totally different adventure. It's a book of poetry, um, which is kind of a, an interesting story of how that came to fruition. I was, I find it interesting anyway. I hope others will. So <laughs> uh, I was uh, teaching at the New Life Foundation in Thailand, in Northern Thailand. And I was asked to, uh, for the community to guide a meditation every morning. Uh, it was just a 10 or 15 minute meditation, similar to what we just did. Uh, but uh, the idea was that, that I would read something from a text, a Buddhist text or a spiritual text or an inspirational reading as a way of bringing people into the meditation. And so, uh, you know, more often than not, I would go into the, the uh, library at New Life and hunt through these books. They had, you know, wonderful books, I, you know, really great authors. But, but I couldn't find something that I wanted to read. I, I usually just often sat there reading chapter after chapter in different books, not finding anything that I wanted to offer. Uh, and so I um, decided I would write a poem. And so I would write it every morning just before the morning meditation. Then I would read it to the community uh, and then go into meditation from that poem. And so over the four months that I was there, that during that contract, I collected all the poems, of course. And then, so the book arose as meditations on that, those poems. So the poems came out of a meditation. And then months later, I went back and meditated on each poem and wrote what arose for me out of that meditation. The so it's kind of a, yeah. yeah, the commentary arose out of the meditation on a poem, which arose out of the meditation like that. I'm familiar with the work because you were also doing the weekly uh, live sessions, kind of riffing off yeah. from that. And, and I remember always looking forward to those. So definitely, mm. I think people will enjoy those. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Mm. Thank you so much, Chris, for mm. your guidance and your calming voice always. <laughs> <laughs> Hope to collaborate again. See you maybe on Clubhouse. <laughs> Yes, we'll see you there. Where we can have more sure. of those live chats uh, in a little <laughs> bit of a kind of a more fluid setting, I would say. Mm. And, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you on. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you for inviting me in uh, here today to talk. And it's been uh, lovely to share the space with you and, uh, and to share uh, my little offering. Thanks, Chris. Take care. You too. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to contact me through my website, www.sarahwindy.com, for questions or comments or even inquiries about my one-on-one -on -one coaching services and mentorship. I will personally reply to you. See you next week.